Hello, Velo News listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News Magazine, coming at you with another Velo News tech podcast. And today, it is a chilly day in Boulder. It's not as cold as it's been. Uh, at least it's not snowing right now. It was snowing in October this year, so we actually have some nice warm weather. So I have no excuse to not ride outside today, but I'm, I'm probably not going to because I'm, I'm sort of um, a Sally when it comes to cold weather. Uh, I really hate being cold, and I'm sure, I'm sure most people do, right? Nobody enjoys being cold. But as cyclists, we're sort of uh, faced with this this awful task of having to motivate ourselves to go outside into the cold and shiver our way through our training rides and, and all that, unless you want to be doomed to the basement and, and pedal in place, uh, which, you know, I try to avoid as much as I can, even though, you know, Zwift is fun and all that as far as indoor cycling goes. But it's always better to ride outside. So I got to thinking about how I could make riding outside in the cold weather more pleasant. And everybody sort of knows the basics, right? You got to wear layers and, and you got to, you know, basically stay warm and then peel as, as it warms up, right? And then you've got 12 different things in your pockets and, you're, you know, you've got bulging, bulging pockets, which is, you know, super aero, right? So I wanted to get at the heart of why layering actually works, uh, and you know, we, that's sort of been the conventional wisdom for a long time is you layer your clothing. Why, why, why do we layer clothing and, and what is it about fabrics today, uh, that sort of change the way we, we use clothing, uh, for training and for riding in cold weather, because we've got so many different, uh, fabrics now that are, you know, waterproof and breathable and, and somewhere in between those two concepts. And we've got DWR coatings and all these other things. What is it about clothing today? that makes it easier for us to stay warm and comfortable on our bike rides in the cold weather. So I wanted to talk about layering and fabrics. And so uh, I figured it was best to talk to somebody who's smarter than me, uh, which is not hard to find these days. Uh, so I've got in the room with me today, Rob Pickles, and he is a physiologist in advanced development at Pearl Izumi. Rob, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, so Rob, I, I spoke to you not too long ago for an article in our print magazine that you all can read in our January, February issue when it comes out. Um, basically about this very topic, like what, what's, what's the deal with fabrics? What's the balance between waterproof and breathable? And how do we essentially stay warm and comfortable in the winter? So let's, let's start basic here. You're an expert about in fabrics and, and the way people sweat and the way we manage that sweat. Um, and that seems to be one of the bigger obstacles to staying warm in the winters is all this sweat that we produce. So let's start uh, with the basic question. Why is layering better than just wearing one big bulky layer? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people would cite, as you touched on previously, that, uh, you know, with layering, you have versatility and uh, you can start out maybe a little bit warm. And, and as you uh, ride and it gets warmer out or, or the weather comes in, you know, you have the options of adding and removing things. And you know, I, I think that that's completely valid. Um, for me, though, I look at it a little bit differently. Um, and in my opinion, everything has a purpose. Uh, and that means that uh, we design or look at um, pieces so that they're doing a specific job. And just as you wouldn't expect to be uh, setting an hour world record on a gravel bike. Um, you know, it's a versatile bike, but it's not the right tool for the job. It's the same thing when we're coming to layering. Um, if your base layer has to keep you warm, dry, protected from rain and everything else, uh, it's not going to be very good at any of those. So really it comes down to each of, each of these layers, these materials has a trade-off. And so by layering, you kind of have the ability to 
to combine the best of all of the fabrics. Exactly. You know, so let's say we take, you know, we start the inside, we take a base layer. Um, how do we keep its job as simple as possible? What, what does it really need to do? Uh, it needs to move moisture off your skin. And, um, you know, when you're designing that, uh, you can choose your materials uh, that allow you to move that moisture, but then also have that skin tight fit. Uh, the more requirements that we put on that piece, the more compromises we end up making. And by keeping it simple, uh, then it does that job extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move uh, outside of that a little bit and, and say you need some thermal warmth. And so you add a, a thermal layer to that equation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point, uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to trap air. We're trying to buffer the outside environment o- away from your skin. Uh, it needs to move moisture, sure, but it doesn't need to move it as well as the base layer. So we can choose slightly different materials for that. It also doesn't need to protect you from the rain that's falling down. And so uh, we can have those thermal properties sort of be expanded or, or the ability for them at least to, to focus and do really good at that. So there's really no one layer to rule them all. It's not that there's one magic garment that's going to keep you dry and warm. Yeah, we all want that sort of panacea, right, where, um, you know, oh, you put this on and and, and, you know, companies love to sell things this mm-hmm. way, you know. Um, and, and frankly, it's probably just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if you sprinkle some graphene on it in the future, right, sure. that's going to be the next buzzword. Yeah. Um, I sprinkle graphene on everything it, in, my, it, in my hamburgers. As you should. Yeah, it makes yeah. things taste better. <laughs> um, we'll talk about graphene in the future. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, um, yeah, it, in my opinion, it's just not out there. There are certainly uh, constructions. There are certainly garments. There are certainly fabrics that are more versatile than others. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Um, but to think that you have one piece that, that is the only thing you ever have to wear, unlikely. Not going to happen. Yeah. So we have a lot of old school listeners uh, on our podcast. And, you know, uh, you know, back in the day, one of the things you did was you, sh- you shoved newsprint down your jersey or, you know, old, vis- old issues of Ello News, you know, down <laughs> your jersey. Um, so that brings up a point. You know, back then you did everything you could to basically insulate yourself and protect yourself from wind, whatever. Yeah. Um, but now, obviously, nobody's shoving newsprint down the front of their shirts because there's better materials. Can you talk a little bit about some of the different materials that are good for certain purposes? Like, for example, let's start with a base layer. Um, why are synthetics materials better than, say, cotton, for example. Sure. Yeah. I I just want to throw out there that I'm pretty sure last year I did, in fact, put a newspaper <laughs> down in my jersey. Um, desperate times. It, it, call for desperate, desperate times. And, and it works. Yeah. You know, you got to descend down from, uh, you know, for us coming down from, say, Gold Hill or yeah, something, yeah. you know, a newspaper yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in some regard, to start with cotton, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to bash on cotton either. I, I'm one of the first people... Uh, on beautiful summer days to wear a cotton t-shirt or a cotton tank top, mm-hmm. right? But as you're sort of alluding to, when push comes to shove, you know, cotton as a material doesn't necessarily hold up. Um, it, it doesn't keep us dry. It doesn't keep us comfortable. It has some negative downsides. And, uh, you know, that's where synthetics have really stepped in. Uh, one of the biggest benefits for synthetics is that they hold on to relatively little moisture. Uh, polyester is ubiquitous now um, because of its great moisture transfer properties. In the past, polypropylene was maybe more popular. Uh, polypropylene was popular because it holds on to no moisture whatsoever, and so it was great for moisture transport, but we all smelled the downside of, <laughs> of how it clings to odor. Uh, so there's uh, ups and downs for everything. Nylon is another synthetic material, uh, not quite as common as polyester because it does hold on to some moisture. So it's great on outer layers. It has great durability, so on and so forth. But polyester is the one that has the most 
wide ranging abilities and, and it's in 90% of the stuff that we're wearing. On the other side, if we don't go synthetic, if we go natural fibers, wool is king over there. Uh, there are diehard wool fans and it has uh, benefits, certainly. Uh, everybody knows that it keeps you warm when it's wet. It's still a good insulator at that point. Few people actually know that wool actually releases heat when it gets wet. Hmm. You can measure the increase in fabric temperature based on that reaction. Uh, conversely, it, it also does cool down a little bit as it releases that moisture, but there are some unique properties there. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that scale though, you know, maybe wool doesn't feel quite as good against your skin right. as, a, as a synthetic does. Or some people might feel exactly the opposite, that they'd much rather have wool. And sure, that, that, sure. that's personal comfort that yeah. we can't necessarily account for. Right. So in terms of uh, base layer against the skin, a synthetic, is, uh, a synthetic fiber like polyester is probably best because it does move a lot of moisture. Um, and, and that's one of the, the, the biggest hurdles you face riding in the winter. I mean, even though it's cold out, uh, you're still sweating. You're still producing a lot of moisture on your skin. And, and that is what's essentially cooling you down uh, as the wind hits you or as the temperature drops, right? So you've got this moisture on your skin. You got to get that away from your skin. Okay. So now we've moved um, the moisture away from our skin using our synthetic base layer. What's, what's essentially next? I mean, what I'm getting at is why is it so difficult to stay both warm and dry in cold conditions? So we've got the, we're, we're moving moisture, right? So what's, what's next? What's preventing us from keeping warm? Yeah, so to back up real quick for one second, as you pointed out, um, moisture against your skin is very much what's cooling us off. And if we're in a warm environment, in some regard, I want that. I want that against my skin because that's going to be the most efficient at cooling us down. Uh, but as you're pointing out in the wintertime, yeah, we definitely need to move that off of our skin um, because uh, wetness is a big enemy there in terms of that um, heat transfer. Uh, it will conduct more through the fabric, which is going to cool somebody down. But as we start moving uh, out layers in, toward the environment, um, really the, the big hurdle is sort of is the protection elements. How do we protect ourselves from wind, from rain? Uh, and oftentimes people are using, say, um, you know, a membrane system or whatever else that due to its nature of wanting to protect you so well, uh, it sort of works in both directions in some regard, you know, um, you know, the best ones are really protecting you from the outside, but they're still limited on moving or affecting that microclimate inside. And, um, you know, we end up in this situation that can be quite uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, we remove that protective layer and, and things do get a little bit easier. And mm -hmm. in Colorado, it's typically a low humidity and bluebird all the time, uh, to use a skiing term. And uh, we have it a lot easier than, than, say, somebody in the Pacific Northwest or, or in the East uh, right. where they do need those protection layers. And, and life can be quite uncomfortable at that mm -hmm. point. So this brings us back to sort of a conversation you and I have already had uh, in, in the print issue about uh, the balance between breathability and waterproofness and the idea that uh, essentially the more waterproof a garment gets, essentially the less breathable it gets. And so that's kind of where that... that uh, I'm wearing a plastic garbage bag feeling kind of comes from where you're, you're basically a greenhouse, you know, you got your sweat is getting pulled away from your skin, but then it's getting trapped. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about breathability. Um, let's first define that term and then let's talk about, uh, how fabrics breathe. 
Hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you mentioned that because breathability, in my opinion, is very much a misnomer. Uh, when I think of breathability, I think of myself breathing. I think of air moving in and out of my body. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we're talking about fabric, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, breathability in fabric is essentially their ability to move moisture. And, um, you know, this is measured in, in a few different ways. So it doesn't even have a very good definition, uh, so to say. And typically, um, you know, fabric suppliers, they choose the definition that makes theirs look absolutely the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to get too technical, so uh, don't let your eyes gloss over uh, during this next part. But, you know, if we talk about the three different ways that we're testing, um, two of them involve cups you know, literally like a drinking cup almost. Mm -hmm. Um, The first one is called the upright cup method uh, in which a desiccant, um, so something that absorbs moisture, is placed inside the cup. Uh, The cup is then sealed with whatever fabric is being tested and they let it sit. Uh, After a while, uh, a determined amount of time, uh, they measure the change in weight and that change in weight represents how much moisture was able to move through that fabric and, Mm -hmm. and into the desiccant. Um, so that's yeah, pretty good, I guess. It, it's, it's looking at moisture vapor that's being pulled through the fabric, which is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, it's not very representative of what we're doing when we're riding a bike mm-hmm. with a hot, sweaty environment on one side. Sure. Um, the, the second method, you know, oh, the other thing with the first one is typically the values on that are relatively low. You can only pull so much moisture out of an environment. Sure. Um, and, and companies don't like low numbers, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, because consumers always equate more with more better. Right. Uh, the second test is the one that's most widely reported, and that's called a, an inverted cup method. And it's almost exactly the same as the first. There's a desiccant in a cup. The cup is sealed with the fabric. Um, but the difference is this time the fabric is basically placed directly into a, a bowl of water. Um, and so with that moisture uh, right next to that membrane, obviously, uh, you know, for the most part anyway, that value is going to go up in terms of the moisture transport. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, though, I'm not quite sure this is the best test that's out there because I don't necessarily want my sweat uh, to be liquid next to my membrane. Right, uh, right. Then, then you're feeling that jacket cling to you. Yeah, gross. Exactly. Gross, yeah. No, nobody wants that <laughs> swampness inside yeah. you. Um, you know, there's a third test that, in my opinion, is... is the better of the more common ones, and that's called the sweating hot plate. Um, most people haven't heard of this one. It's measured in a value called RET. Mm-hmm. Um, and this puts a drop of water on top of a hot plate. It heats it up. It turns it into vapor, which is almost exactly how your sweating skin works. And then it suspends a um, fabric above that, and, and we see how much vapor sort of makes its way through. And, and really what you're looking at here is the resistance um, a zero score is actually the best because mm-hmm. that means there is no resistance that moisture vapor going through. But, you know, to say my, my jacket scored a zero, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound very good. Right. Um, you know, but this is sort of the most representative of what we're doing when we're riding. And I, I try to test this on our apparel. Um, you know, every year I, I make a trip to an environmental wind tunnel. Um, I, I bring riders, I bring prototype garments, I bring sensors. And um, I hook people up on trainers for, for hours on end, and yeah. they absolutely hate me for it. Um, <laughs> but I'm able, to, I'm able to look at that microclimate inside with the different um, you know, fabrics or maybe it's cuts or, or whatever I'm testing um, and do so in a very controlled environment where you know, I'm controlling the amount of sunlight that's shining on them, the temperature, mm-hmm. the wind speed, the humidity, uh, the workload the rider's riding at so that you know, if I have them riding at, say, 20 miles an hour wind speed, they're doing the right workload for that. 
You know, and working in this environmental wind tunnel really highlights sort of the inadequacy of testing that's done in a typical environmental chamber, uh, especially because of the solar load that is able to be provided and that wind speed. Uh, it really, really changes the situation to that real life, um, you know, situation that's right. most important to cyclists. Sure. So. so that gives us a sense of really what breathability, uh, as it's used in our industry anyway, uh, is referring to is this moisture passing through a garment. And that's required uh, as a cyclist. I mean, we, we produce a lot of sweat. Yep. I'm kind of a swarthy Italian-American. Oh, I'm sweating right now just you, sitting here. You and me both. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's important to move this moisture. But it, it sort of works conversely uh, against, essentially, waterproofness. Talk about waterproofness and what that means. Yeah, waterproofness is, you know, essentially what we're doing. And, and it's not exactly this, but this is the best way to describe it, where... Um, let's say you put a column of water, like literally a, a cylinder, um, you know, a, a beaker or whatever from your high school science class, uh, and, and you start filling it up with water. Um, you seal it off on one end with the fabric, and you add more and more and more water until finally there's so much water pressure that it starts to seep through that garment. Sure. Um, you know, this is sort of why it's referred to as a water column test. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's measured essentially in millimeters of height of that water, mm -hmm. uh, which equates to a pressure. Um, so that's what waterproofness is. Uh, when we look at the range of waterproof that's out there, you know, it, it gets pretty high. Uh, there's expedition jackets for, you know, going to the craziest locations in the world. And maybe that's not what we need for cycling, you know, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, I, I think that at times people can be too enamored with this waterproof sort of concept because it's not like we're hiking and sitting down in puddles or, or even sitting on the slopes, you know, when we're snowboarding or skiing, uh, where there's sort of that moisture pressure trying to get through. You know, oftentimes we're not cycling in full-on deluges, um, <clears throat> and, and the water sort of protection from that isn't necessarily needed. And, and in my opinion, I oftentimes would trade out water protection for breathability for 85 or 90% of the riding that we're doing. And uh, because oftentimes if you have too much waterproofness, then you just get wet from the inside, never mind the outside. Right. So that's, that's interesting. So as a cyclist, your, your needs are different than, say, somebody climbing Mount Everest, of course, or yep. e even somebody hiking. Yep. Um, because really the biggest battle for us is moisture coming from ourselves exactly. rather than from the elements. So yeah, in, in special cases, you know, if you're, if you live in a wet climate where you're just, you're going, your only option is to go riding in, in a downpour. Yep. Yeah. Maybe you need to up your, your waterproofness and yep. sort of sacrifice some of that breathability, but really for the rest of us who, you know, the chances of us riding regularly in downpours is pretty slim. Um, breathability sounds like it's almost more important. Yeah, I think so. You know, cycling is an aerobic activity. And for the most part, it's often a high output aerobic activity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that means it has requirements that you don't get when you're downhill skiing, uh, or even when you're hiking. Uh, and frankly, uh, one of the worst aspects of cycling is that our output is often highest when we're going uphill, mm -hmm. right? There's a, for me anyway, there's a lot of gravity pulling me back down. I'm, I'm, I'm not a climber, I'm more of a yeah. sprinter. Um, you know, and this makes it doubly hard because we're working the hardest when we're going the slowest, mm -hmm. uh, which means that we don't have that environment moving around us to cool us down quite as much. And eh, it, people will say that, oh, too hot. You, you, every, every jacket has a vent. Just, just open the front zipper. 
And uh, I thought that was true when I only rode in Colorado. And then I, I took a development trip to, um, uh, to the Pacific Northwest. And I realized very quickly that if you open that front zipper, then your base layer or whatever you're wearing underneath is suddenly brown because of all the road spray that's been kicked <laughs> up. And, you know, it, it's just a horrible situation. Uh, and that is not necessarily a viable uh, option for people. Um, you know, and then when we try to make a garment, making a garment is a very difficult thing to do, um, especially to please everything that a consumer is looking for. You know, I want it lightweight and packable and stretchable and, and everything else. And, you know, that means, okay, well, can we put a zipper in this? Zippers are pretty bulky. You know, how many pit zips can we put in and, and everything else? And, you know, oh, well, we want it to be packable. That's the important part with this. Okay, well, then we'll take the zippers out, which means the fabric itself has to do the work. And so those choices become very, very important in the usability of that garment and, and sort of meeting the consumer's needs. So, yeah, I would definitely skew towards... Um, you know, moving to fabrics that, that have more breathability than, um, you know, our typical hard shells that we would think of. And, mm -hmm. you know, for Colorado, for a lot of places, then maybe a soft shell garment is actually the better thing to choose because, you know what, drizzle, light rain, soft shells with sort of more of an open membrane, uh, they're going to keep you completely dry enough, mm -hmm. um, you know, and yeah, I get it. If you're living in a very rainy environment, uh, you might overwhelm a soft shell. Sure. Uh, and so choosing your, your garments appropriately mm -hmm. for where you live and the riding you do is, is super important. Let me translate all that. Stop being such sallies and buck up and get a little wet. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally a culprit of this. I hate being uncomfortable. I hate being wet. Um, so I, I totally, I, I go through this a lot. I'm like, do I you know, if it's raining, do I just stay on the couch? I mean, <laughs> you know, or do I, do I, you know, go through some discomfort? And that's kind of what our sport is about anyway, right? Like you're going, you're going to be uncomfortable at some point during your ride. At some point in time. Yeah. You're just trying to mitigate and, and manage. Yep. Um, I also like what you said about, you know, you're a sprinter, not a climber. I say that when, what I really mean is like, I drink too much beer and yeah. I eat too much food. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sprinter. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just means I like to work hard for very, very short amounts of time. Yeah, right. And right. anything longer than a minute <laughs> just doesn't sound very I fun. sprint up my driveway. That's exactly. enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I guess this begs the question, is it truly impossible to make a fabric or a garment that is truly waterproof and breathable? Oh, waterproof and breathable is easy. Waterproof and breathable for cycling yeah. is a little bit more difficult, right. to tell you the truth. Right. Um, you know, uh, we can get close. Um, in my opinion, though, uh, there's sort of a third measure that we need to consider here, and that's air permeability. Um, for me, you know, we sort of this we've moved towards more of an outerwear conversation um, at this point. So I'm, I'm going to bring this up. But uh, air permeability, in my opinion, is one of the keys to keeping people comfortable. Um, and this is for a few different reasons. One, if a garment has some air permeability, and, and what I mean when I say that is literally the amount of air that flows through a garment. Um, put your mouth up to that jacket, blow on it, or you know, push hard through it. Does it block everything or does it flow through easy or hard or whatever else? I actually measure this with different fabrics, but everybody can do that breathe breath test on the sleeve or whatever mm -hmm. of the garment. Um, but if the fabric has the ability to move air like that, then it has the ability to move moist air like that as well. Uh, and that means that um, you're going to be significantly more comfortable. You're not going to be so wet inside of that. Uh, as that air permeability goes up, yeah, you know what? You're going to have less resistance to, to rain falling from the sky. 
Um, but for a lot of pieces, that's a trade that I'm willing to make. And you can actually be quite protective. If you put a water, durable water repellent or a DWR treatment on top of that fabric and, and the water beads up, you can ride through a lot of different weather and feel totally comfortable inside. And, and for most cyclists, I think that's adequate. But with that air permeability, in my opinion, that's the key. You know, it, it, for me, it's not a Gore-Tex jacket in the wintertime. It's like putting a plastic bag on, let's be honest. Right. Um, you know, and moving towards, a, you know, a soft shell. Um, and it doesn't have to be a thick thermal soft shell. We need to move away from that sort of thinking as well, where uh, a simple soft shell that has this air permeability and also the ability to um, protect you from most of the environments. Mm -hmm. And then you can layer that on top of a thermal layer if you want to, or it mm -hmm. could just be on top of your base layer if you right. don't need that extra right. heat. Uh, so that's the key you know, to creating something, say, that's, that's waterproof and, and breathable for cycling. Gotcha. You know, we need to look at those specific needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, to all your bike shop owners out there who suddenly have an influx of customers coming in and breathing on your coats, uh, please address your complaints to Pearl Azumi, Rob, uh, yes. Rob Pickles. Uh, <laughs> just don't, don't leave me out of this. I didn't suggest that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, though, when you bring up, you know, sort of the bike shop is that, um, as I sort of said before, that certain pieces of, of apparel are appropriate in certain areas of mm, the country, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that's something that, you know, retailers and retail buyers or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, they have a really difficult job sort of balancing that entire catalog that a company offers yeah, uh, yeah. and bringing in those appropriate pieces into, into their location. Sure. Sure. Um, I want to, I want to back up a little bit now. We, we've basically talked about, you know, you're going to be uncomfortable at some point in your ride don't be such a Sally. You know, I'm going to stop saying don't be such a Sally. I'm going to, because like most of the women who ride that I know are tougher than I am. So let's don't, say, hold on. How about don't be such a Dan? That's what I was just going to recommend. Yes. All right. We're, we're taking this to the next level here, guys. Don't be such a Dan. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about, you're going to be uncomfortable at some point in your ride. So you might as well choose the fabrics that are going to move moisture and, and help you breathe. Uh, so, you know, let's, let's address the fabrics that do sort of approach that waterproof, breathable balance specifically for cycling. What are some of the ones out there? Yeah, especially when we talk about the balance, um, we're looking at products by PolarTech. We're looking at products by Event, uh, specifically because they're offering that air permeability that's out there at the moment. Um, if we go full out protection, then yeah, you know, Gore is an industry leader. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, their, their quality of their membrane is terrific, but they lack the ability. And, and this is from the most honest, deepest part of my heart. <laughs> they can't move moisture and they can't have the air permeability that some of the other companies can have. Um, and there are diehard Gore fans out there and they are all stabbing me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's true, you know, and, and for, um, outdoor activities, hiking, skiing, everything else, then Gore all the way. But if, if I'm riding my bike, then I'm looking at event, I'm looking at polar tech, I'm looking at these other technologies that allow uh, some air to pass through them so that we're getting to that air permeability situation. Um, the difficulty then becomes, you know, what, what stretches, what's the right weight, uh, what's correct for you and your environment. But as long as we're uh, moving towards technologies like that, and, and I think that the industry in general is moving towards technologies like this, then uh, we're moving in the right direction. So I want to understand the, the difference between something like those Polar Techs or Events versus something like Gore-Tex. Is it sort of like the difference between, I mean, obviously this is hyperbolic, but 
like a chain link fence versus a wooden fence, you know, where the chain link fence allows a lot of air to pass through, whereas the wooden fence is sort of going to block more of that air. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting analogy, and I've never heard that before. I'm an original, um, guys. I, I am know. an original. <laughs> Man, get this guy a job. Yeah, right? I just, I just wrote the marketing for like 12 different companies. <laughs> you know, I think that when you talk about um, a membrane like, like Gore specifically, um, then yeah, a, a chain link fence is a decent sort of um, visual of what that is, kind of. Uh, that was sort of the original Gore. Um, but the difficulty with that is, you know, so ultimately if, if you take a beach ball and you throw it at a chain link fence, it, it's not going to make its way through, right? That beach ball is too big for the holes. And with um, a gore-like membrane, then the water droplets are too big to make it through the holes. Perfect. Every, everything is grand. Except that that membrane is really susceptible to oil. Mm. Uh, and that's sort of like somebody having a hand through the chain link fence that grabs that ball and just pulls it, it through. Yeah, you yeah. get wet eventually. Sure. And so what has to happen in that situation is that layers need to be put on both sides of that chain link fence to prevent that from happening. And ultimately, that's the downfall with those membranes. This is exactly why those membranes are called three-layer membranes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, years ago, uh, I remember my first marmot sort of outdoor mountaineering jacket it had that fabric layer that mesh that hung on the inside that was to protect that layer of the membrane uh, and, it, and it had benefits it didn't really um, stop moisture from getting through but it was also kind of uncomfortable and it snagged on things and everything else and you know so the gore three layer product came out that's just one product uh, one fabric I should say but it has those protective elements on both sides um, you know, at that point, what has to happen though is oftentimes the moisture condenses on the inside layer of that. It doesn't just blow through the membrane like it used to. Uh, and, and I think that you can feel that moisture. I think that that's uncomfortable. Uh, we look at some other technologies. Um, you know, when you look at Event, really similar uh, to that chain link fence, really similar to that Gore technology, which is um, essentially, for what it's worth, the Gore technology is called. It, expanded PTFE. PTFE is just Teflon, right? So you take Teflon tape and you stretch it and it gets little tiny holes in it. And, and that's what blocks the moisture. And when you look at Event, we're essentially using the same technology, but they have a proprietary coating that protects that membrane from oils and from dirt. Uh, it's like spraying paint onto your chain link fence. It's still a big open chain link fence. And so that allows, you know, a slightly better situation. You go to something like Polar Tech, and, and it's totally different. It's almost like a giant grass hedge. Uh, there are so many layers. It's like a almost like a bird's nest of of, of thatch and everything else. Uh, but what this does is it it creates a situation where that water it, it can't get through, mm -hmm. um, but the wind can get through because it can course its way through all of those tiny little holes and, and crevices and everything else. Uh, and so, you know, it, it achieves the same or similar outcome. Um, but that, that polar tech membrane, uh, which is an electrospun technology, if you, if you want to say that, um, is, is a different method of going about it that has certain advantages, no doubt. So really, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like there's any really, quote unquote, bad fabric, uh, but they're all just sort of purpose-driven. Exactly. Yeah. No, nothing is good or bad. It's right. just whether or not it meets your, your needs, your yeah. goals, your requirements. Yeah, because, I mean, frankly, I, I've ridden in some downpours, and that Gore-Tex, I was glad I had it. Yep. Um, but I've also worn that same jacket and been like, oh, God, I'm just, I'm sweating like crazy. It's just, it's just as uncomfortable 
inside, you know, so you make those trade-offs. So that, that kind of leads us to the, the summation of, of what we've been talking about here, which is somebody who's been listening to this podcast now for the last half hour is sitting here going, okay, great. Now I know all about these fabrics. I am no clearer on what I should do when I head out the door for my next ride. Right. Yep. So let's talk about some of the, the common misconceptions about riders' approaches to winter riding clothing. How should we correct those behaviors in order to stay more comfortable? So essentially what we're trying to outline here is you're about to head out the door what should you be wearing if it's a cold day out? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe one of the best things I can do is, is walk you through my thought process when, okay. when I'm dressing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're talking specifically about winter. Uh, I almost always start with a long sleeve base layer. Um, you know, a lot of people will use a tank top base layer, sleeveless or short sleeve. In my opinion, my forearms are just as important as the rest of my body. Uh, when I'm looking for, for a base layer, it, it has to be form fit. Uh, anything, anywhere the fabric is hanging loosely from your body, it's not acting like that second skin to move that moisture, to increase that comfort. And oftentimes for me, it's polyester, frankly, because of the fit, um, because of the feeling against my skin. Um, The next thing I'm thinking about after I have my base layer picked out, uh, which again is for moisture transport, it's not for warmth, is do I need warmth or not? Um, and, And this I need to think about how hard am I riding? If I'm heading to the hills and I'm, I'm doing some hill repeats, uh, I'm going to be making enough warmth myself. Um, if I'm riding slow and it's you know 20 degrees out, then yeah, I probably need that mid base or that mid um, thermal layer. Uh, oftentimes, I'll go to wool for this. Um, in my opinion, wool can be really beneficial in the second layer because believe it or not, it actually does hold on to some moisture vapor. Um, some people don't like to admit that it does, but, but it does. And in my opinion, this helps pull moisture out of that base layer. It helps that one-way moisture transport away from my skin. So I think wool in the second layer is a great place to put that. Uh, the third thing that I'm thinking about is, do I need protection from something? And protection can come from uh, the wind. It can come from moisture. And that influences if I have an outerwear piece and, and what that outerwear piece is. And sometimes it's, you know, warm enough where I can just stop at that uh, long sleeve jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, uh, you know what, it, it's 20 mile an hour wind and it's going to cut through that jersey um, because I'm also riding 20 miles an hour into the 20 mile right. an hour wind. Right. Bears. Yeah. You know, um, you know in, in which case, yeah, a, a light uh, woven nylon, you know, um, barrier, as we call it, a Perlizumi jacket, it just takes the edge off of that. Uh, or sometimes it's raining and, and barrier isn't enough. And so I have to put on a waterproof jacket. Um, so again, it goes back to the very first thing that we talked about where everything has a purpose and everything that I'm putting on has a reason for it to be there. And uh, there's no extraneous you know, sort of pieces. Mm-hmm. So really, what if we're distilling this down to the absolute basics of how to approach dressing, it's not necessarily good enough to just slap on several layers. You kind of have to think a little bit about what each layer is going to be and how it's functioning. Exactly. And and really, the, the I, I'm I'm right there with you. The start of any any time I go out for a ride, the starting piece of gear is a base layer, mm-hmm. and it's always form fitting, uh, even if it you know really showcases my beer gut, which it always does. Um, <laughs> round is a shape. Round too. is a shape, and I am certainly in shape then. Um, you know, and I, I tend to go with the sleeveless, mostly because I don't like the fabric bunching up. So, you know, it's sort of those little things where you're like, I know myself enough to know what what's going to be comfortable and what's not. 
But you start with a form-fitting base layer, and from there, it's really a matter of addressing what kind of riding you're doing and in what kind of conditions. Exactly. Yeah, personal preference. You know, I think that the best way to make decisions is to gather as much information as you can, uh, but then put that in the context of, of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, with us making apparel, it's very difficult to do. Um, oftentimes, the consumer wants to see, say, a a reference temperature range on there. This jacket is good for 40 to 45 degrees. Yeah, maybe for me, but right. maybe not for you. And then it gets to 46 and it explodes. Exactly, yeah. 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 That's exactly what it does. Right, and, right. Um, and, and so the most important thing is, is to take everything that you've learned, is to think about riding that you've done in the past in similar conditions and uh, apply that knowledge and make thoughtful decisions uh, as to why you're choosing what you're choosing. You know, again, with the thought that everything has a purpose. And don't be such a Dan. And don't be such a Dan. God, don't be such a Dan. Or just ride harder if you're cold. Right, sprint, guys. Sprint (laughs) Sprint straight to the hamburger stand. All right, is there anything we forgot to talk about that is relevant to to layering in the winter and keeping warm? Is there anything we forgot to talk about? Stop for coffee frequently. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I keep a credit card in my phone case just yep. to warm myself That's up. probably the one piece of gear you should never leave home without, Exactly. Right? <laughs> we, we pretty much nailed it, I think. I think we covered it. Oh, my God. We're so good at this. Perfect. All right. Robert, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time. And to all of our listeners, if you have questions or comments about this podcast or any podcast uh, in the Velo News sphere, please do comment on our SoundCloud page or tweet at me on Twitter at Brown Tie Dan. And please do go ahead and like our podcast, subscribe, and make sure you don't miss another Velo News Tech podcast because I'm always self-deprecating and it's always funny for you. Robert, thanks again for joining me today. I appreciate your time. And we will see you all next time.